Welcome to This Is Football. Bienvenidos a This Is Football. Today we have a special episode for you guys. We have a legend on today, a legend of the local MLS game. Somebody who's played uh, in Mexico, somebody who's uh, played in a couple teams here in the MLS, and, and we're so glad to have him on. We want to welcome on Greg Garza. So welcome on, Greg. Thank you guys for having me, man. Pleasure. Pleasure. I wouldn't say Absolutely. legend, man, but uh, thank you. Man. Appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I got to say, my first MLS game ever was at uh, Mercedes-Benz Field, um, and you were playing in it, uh, and you played a hell of a game. So for me, you're, you're, my, you're my legend, man. You're my first uh, MLS uh, live game. So there, there you no, go. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Man, that's... Took you that long to go to an MLS game, man? <laughs> well, that's what, <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. I was an original. I was an original. Holy so I'm a Miami Fusion fan from the original days. Um, okay. and, then, okay. and then we never really had a team down here. Um, and so, you know, one of the first games that I was able to go back to an MLS game was, was uh, I went up to visit my cousin up in Atlanta. Just so happened uh, you, you guys were playing DC United. Uh, I, think, uh, I think Wayne might have been playing that game, too. That was one of yeah, Wayne's yeah. games. And, uh, okay. hey, hell of a game. You guys won, so. Awesome. Uh, and you played great, so I, I thank you for that just, experience. Just, just to be fair, Danny's an Inter Miami fan. He's been an Inter Miami fan for three years, and last night was his first time going to the stadium. So yeah, it took him it took him a while to actually go to Inter Miami game. No as well. way, man! No way! <laughs> That's crazy, man! That is crazy. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've watched every single game, but uh, stadium's a little far from where I live, and I've got a two-year-old, and so it, it's a little tough. But uh, but now that he's the stadium up, in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, yeah, that's where they put it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's not in Miami then, man. So it's not in Miami. That's what we say. I mean, we, we just actually got approved for Miami Freedom Park uh, about a couple months ago. So okay. uh, Jorge Mas and, and, and David Beckham were able to get that approved. So cool. we should have a stadium in Miami sometime around 2025 or 2026. So we're hoping That'll that be... uh, that once that's up, yeah. I'm, I, I already made a, a vow to the Inter-Miami faithful that I will get season tickets as soon as the <laughs> stadium is in, is in Miami. So, Man, I can imagine. So, but let's let let's get into a little bit about you, Greg. Um, we know you have this uh, fantastic program that uh, uh, that you put together with uh, you know one of your former uh, co-players, Michael Parkers, um, and we want you to tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, for for Mike and I, um, after retiring, you know, this, it's always a bittersweet moment when you retire, right? So you're trying to figure out uh, what the hell you're going to do next. And, um, you know, for us, you know, I think going through retirement and kind of trying to figure out what that next phase, that next step was and something we can do that we would be passionate about. Um, you know, Mike actually called me, called me on the phone one day and, and, and he'd already been retired for a couple of years. I think I had just, just retired, just announced my retirement. We had this idea of even when we played together of just, you know, speaking about young players coming through the system, uh, you know, young players that had immense amount of talent at their feet. Um, I'm sure if you guys played soccer, I'm sure you guys can think about players that you played with when you're at a young age and you probably think to yourself, whatever happened to that one kid? Why didn't he make it pro? Uh, why didn't, why didn't he make it as far as he could? Um, and so we just, we had this idea and, and, and realized, you know, it wasn't necessarily for us and our own experience and our own wisdom and knowledge that we gained throughout the game. Um, that, you know, it wasn't because the God given talent that we had in our feet. It was actually the mindset, uh, the, the way we carried ourselves on and off the field. Um, the responsibilities that we had, the way we, we were able to hold ourselves accountable. Um, and the mental game was, was so much more important than just the physical attributes and the talent, the God-given talent that we had at our feet. So, you know, for us, it was, it was kind of a way to give back to the game that gave most, so much to us and, and, and really help the next generation understand 
um, key components that, that, you know, allowed us to create that consistent uh, longevity of success. And, um, you know, I think with Michael being the captain here in Atlanta, and, and I always say I was more of like a silent leader, someone that kind of led the pack uh, by leading by example and by action. Um, you know, it gave a good, a good way to kind of combine those two things and, and, and find a way to uh, just really help young kids understand that if they do have the opportunity to use sport and use soccer within their lives, um, that these are the things that we did that made us successful. These are the things that we, uh, you know, really kept ourselves responsible every single day and um, kind of give them the pathway of understanding that, you know, if they have that opportunity one day, they hold on to it and they never let go of it. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. Awesome. And, and let me tell you, so we had Cello Balboa on uh, last week. And um, it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about recruiting and, and young kids and stuff because, you know, both uh, Nico and myself played. Um, I played high school soccer down here in South Florida, and then I was recruited in college. And, and Cello even said, you know, back in his day, we asked him, you know, you know, how did you get recruited? And we all said if it wasn't through, you know, some college coach coming out to scout you or you didn't go through the ODP program, I mean, the, the channels really to get to the pro, great, pro game coming out you know of the united states was really tough um and so it's really good and really you know important that, that you and mike have have created this program where you know you can kind of work on that mental aspect and it is tough for for a young kid in this age uh you know and with you know you know you've got social media now you've got you know youtube out there um you know and we've got you know we've talked about it locally we've got 67 academies in south florida and so you know how hard it must be on a young kid to come through up these academies and, you, you know, you see your friends who might be a little bit better than you or, you know, you want to get to there. And it really takes a toll on, on the mental health of a child. And so it's really important, you know, what you and Mike are doing to, to, to help them and guide them through this. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, like you said, you look to, to some of those players that you played with back in the day and you said, you know, why, why didn't that guy ever get there? And, you know, it could have been, you know, something with mental health or, 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 or something where he didn't get the, the – um, you know, somebody, I guess, tutoring him or somebody kind of guiding him, the guidance that he needed to get to that next level. So it's, it's really important what you guys are, are providing to that local community. Oh, thank you, man. That means a lot. We've been able to connect with so many different people. And, um, you know, we're not, we're not psychologists. You know, I, I loved sports psychology even when I was a player. Um, but at the end of the day, one thing that I can kind of share is just that experience, right? I've kind of been there, done that, gone through the same path. Um, and you said it when, even when I was a kid, it was only ODP that kind of gave us that pathway to, to create something. Right. And nowadays you have so many more pathways, the, the leagues, I'm even still learning the leagues on the, on the boys and girls side now being involved in youth soccer. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tough to understand at times, right. And to kind of figure out what the best pathway is. And it's not only the kids that can be confused. It's also the parents, right. Of trying to figure out what's best. Um, and there's a immense amount of pressure on a lot of these kids. So, um, you know, just kind of helping guide them through each and every phase of whatever they go through within their youth careers. And then at the end of the day, right, we can we can be very honest and say, what's the percentage of any of these kids becoming pro? And it's and it's less than one percent. Right. So, you know, yeah. but a lot of these a lot of these assets and traits and qualities that we are teaching them will, will ultimately make them successful in whatever they want to do in life. Um, and, and we were I always tell people, you know, I was I was never the best player on any team that I ever played on, even as a pro. Right. I can be very honest and say that, but I was a great pro and I, I knew my responsibilities. I was the first one there and I was the last one to leave. I did ice bats every day. Uh, you know, I did all of these things to kind of keep myself accountable and hold myself accountable to to be tip top shape and the most responsible to if that opportunity was there, I was going to hold on to it and I wasn't going to let go. So 
Um, it's the same thing for these kids as they continue to grow. We always said if we can nip the bite as quickly as possible. Um, you look at you look at homegrowns, right? You look at how many homegrowns. I would love to see the percentage rate of how many homegrowns sign second contracts because a lot of homegrowns are signed, but I'm not sure a lot of homegrowns sign a lot of second contracts. And I think it's more so when once they get there, not the ne- not the necessary necessarily mindset of just becoming complacent, but it's understanding the ins and outs, understanding the rights and wrongs, the do's and don'ts, uh, and so many things that make a lot of guys that, that last a long time super successful. Um, you know, something, about, that, I did see, something yeah. that I did see about homegrowns, now that you mention it, um, is a lot of homegrowns have been traded over the last couple of off-seasons. Um, Inter-Miami has actually traded for a few homegrowns. Uh, one of them, Jake Lacava, is one of them. The other one is uh, Benjamin Kramashi, who actually got some playing time last night. Um, yeah. and we actually, and the other one that we traded for, which was the biggest one, a couple, uh, a couple of off seasons ago was Bryce Duke, who got, uh, some playing time last year and some this year's, uh, some yesterday as well, which we all thought, uh, that he played, you know, pretty decent minutes yesterday. Um, you know, it's important how you say, do they sign that second contract? And I've been very vocal on Twitter and on the show, um, in, in, you know, at least my way of how, you know, how I would manage a, a squad or whatever is, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very like almost like a business where I like these younger players and I would like these younger players to come up and then kind of sell them away, kind of like an Ajax or something like that. And I don't see a lot of these MLS teams doing that and using their homegrowns. I see them going over to Europe and trying to bring some older talent um, and even trying to sign some older talent from here and playing older talent over the younger, younger talent. And I think that's where we're kind of missing out in the MLS is we really want to see those homegrowns, those young players really make an impact on our, on our teams. Most definitely. You know, I think uh, it's, it's not about making it, it's about making it last. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's something that, you know, I think for Mike and I, we, we, we really saw a lot of, a lot of guys come up through the system that just didn't understand that commitment piece of it. Didn't understand that consistency piece of it. Um, and, and, and now, now this kind of gives us a chance to kind of nip the bud uh, for, for the younger guys coming up through uh, coming, coming up through the system. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you, since we're talking about homegrown players and uh, players that come up through the ranks, how has the development of a young player changed over time since you came out compared to what it is now? So much, right? Um, man, it's, that's, it's such a hard one to answer, right? Because you look back and, and it's so funny because I'll scout a lot of kids. Um, I'll scout a lot of young kids and, and, and it's all, what I've learned is, you know, even sitting down with scouts or even U.S. soccer scouts, it's, it's all about comparisons, right? It's all about making comparisons in regards to where their upbringing is, if they are from South Florida, or if they are from NorCal, or if they are from, you know, the Northeast. And, and back in ODP days, it was like region, region one, region three, region four, region two, right? Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys are region three. So region three, we used to kill it all the time, yeah. right? We, Used to be yeah. the best team always, right? Yeah. And maybe Region One and Region Four would compete with us. Region Two, man, kids in Ohio don't play soccer, man. So they don't. Um, but uh, that that was kind of how it was, right? But now, now you you have it's not like that anymore, right? You have so many kids that well, kids in Ohio and kids in Iowa can can play soccer now. So um, you know the the youth sport has grown so much in the developmental phase of it's like I said, there's there's so many ways to access so many different leagues. Um, you know, every club now has 10 teams in each age group. It's unbelievable, right? From their first yeah. team to their 10th team. 
Um, and, and, and it's a difficult one to speak about, right? Because, you know, sometimes creating so much as development can, can sometimes be too much. And how do you find a way to kind of bridge that gap of creating, you know, a platform for the elite, right? Because we, we want to continue to grow as a, as a soccer country. Um, sometimes when you create so many leagues and so many developmental leagues, it kind of, you know, there's a lot of kids that I, I personally think get, get lost, right? They become, they become diamonds in the rough. Um, and, and I think uh, us as a nation is to find a way to bridge that gap and create, you know, one certain league or a couple of certain leagues that can really help, um, you know, kids that have the opportunity to show, to showcase their talent um, and, and, and also in an affordable way, right? Um, all of these, these really big leagues, you have parents that are paying five, $6,000 a year um, for their kids to play soccer without buying the $2,000 uniforms and, and, and spending another $10,000 on travel a year. So there's a lot of kids out there that don't get that opportunity to develop and don't get that opportunity to have the best coaches or, or be in the best environments or have the best showcase environments. So it's, I'm sure that'll always be a topic and I'm hoping, you know, I, I don't believe it'll be in my lifetime that those things change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping in the future, that's one thing, man, that, 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 you know, we can continue to kind of cultivate and, 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 and help, right. There's, there's, there's so much talent out there, right. You, you look at the national team right now and you look how many, how many different cultural names are on the back of the jerseys uh, that you look at, I mean, what time is it? The, the seven, the U-17s right now are playing Mexico, right. Game yeah. just started at eight. I might just turn it on while I'm, while I'm speaking with you guys so I can keep up. We have, <laughs> we have a few, we have a few players on uh, that we mentor on that team. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, um, nice. let us know if they score. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, I might turn it on as well, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you look at, you look at the last names on that team and you see so many, so many culture from everywhere, culture kit from everywhere, man. Yeah. And those kids, Definitely. that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of the U S man. None of us are, you know, you look at my last name, Garza, right. There's so many, so many yeah. kids that are just from anywhere and everywhere. And, and, and I think the more we can do of that, the better. That's that's what makes the U.S. so beautiful, man. That's what brings us together, um, well, brings all the cultures together. And, and talking about culture, so and you literally just mentioned it. We see a lot of like Mexican-American players, for example, Ricardo Pepe, Brandon Vasquez, who have recently chosen to play for the U.S. over Mexico. Um, do you think that it's a possibility that you might be responsible or one of the pillars for you know choosing the you you know to play for us over mexico because i know that you spent a lot of uh you know a lot of times uh playing in tijuana and mexico and and you you do had you did have a chance to play for both because um you have a dual nationality correct so yeah for sure um, so so do you think that you might have been you know maybe one of the pillars responsible for kind of like tipping the domino and and having these young kids choose the us over mexico Man, I think there's a lot of guys. I think there's a lot of guys that 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 have done that even before my time. Um, you know, I, to be completely honest with you, I, I I never I never really viewed myself. You know, I always loved being Mexican American even as a kid, but I never really I never really viewed myself to kind of take in that Mexican heritage until I had that until I had that opportunity, right? And I, that's something that I tell kids about all the time. Um, is understanding that word opportunity is is massive within their development, right? Um, I had the chance to get my Mexican passport, which ultimately gave me the opportunity to play in Mexico, win a championship there, play in Copa Libertadores, get to the semifinals of Conca Champions, 
kind of create a name for myself within within what the that 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 era of, of of my career was and it was the highlight of my career those those five years in tijuana and in atlas so you know you you, you look at it and i took that took the, the most of uh, of that opportunity so um you know it's it's for for me i think I, from the get-go i mean there we talk about it all the time and i use it as an example now now i look back on it i did the very first I did the very first youth camp uh, for the national team at the age of 13. It was the under 14 national team. Um, and I think there's only a few of us there. There might not be many of us, but I did every single age group of every single national team all the way up until the full team. Um, and, and I played in every single age group and I was started in every single age group. So if you look from the under 14s, under 15s, under 17s, under 18s, under 20s, under 23s and into the full team i i never really looked at it in, until you know recently it's like man I, I was one of the top 11 players in every age group of the united states most of my career as a kid um and, see and, you are a legend you see i was no. right at the beginning <laughs> of the show there you go man. but 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 that's that's the opportunity that the u.s gave me right um and yeah. i kind of that's what i kind of wanted to hint to is that 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 Without that, I wouldn't have been able to make to make my career what it was, right? And so I'm very fortunate and grateful for for that, you know, program for U.S. soccer to really give me that that opportunity and opening and opening doors. Whereas some of these guys, right, their doors open in different ways, right? You look at you look at all these, you look at the German Americans from the past, right? Unfortunately, Germany had closed the doors on them at some time, at some point in time, in youth and youth development within their national teams, and they turned their they turn their opportunities towards the U.S. and that opened massive doors for a lot of those guys to ultimately play in a World Cup, to ultimately do more things and, and build their and build their career. And you know, at the end of the day, it's a lot of people always ask me, you know, what was your favorite team to ever play for as a pro? I didn't wake up when I was a kid and say, oh, I got to play for this team and this team and this team. My only goal and my only dream in life was to be a pro. So every team that I played for was my favorite team. Right. And, you know, it's and, and so that's kind of, you know, my way of, of, of viewing things. Right. Of course, there's going to be teams for me that that stand out, you know, much more significantly than, than others. Right. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I always look towards the word of opportunity and then whatever whatever way these kids can deserve and, and, and create opportunities for themselves, whether it be with the U.S., whether it be with Mexico. I mean, kudos to them, man. That's that's what it's all about. Definitely, definitely. And going back to what you're saying, you know, opportunity, you know, which it played a big part in your youth career. Uh, we see that you went you went through different uh, stages in your life. You went to South America. You played in the U.S. You also played in Europe. How did each place uh, play on a role on your formation? Man, so many ways, so many ways. I mean, I was a 12-year-old kid that left home and, and, and moved to Brazil, right? And, and and grew up with, you know, the likes of Oscar, who played at Chelsea and won a Champions League and now plays in China and makes uh, trillions of dollars. And, uh, you know, even Casemiro was on the, 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 the younger team than me, dude. So, you know, training with those guys when I was a kid, you look back and I'm very grateful and fortunate. But not only within the formation of how I was as a player, but I would even say more more so more so of just becoming the person to become the type of professional that I was, was, was probably, um, you know, I think indented and instilled with me um, in, in every single place that I, that I got to be, um, whether it was Brazil or whether it was Portugal, I, I think, you know, I wouldn't have had those opportunities to develop that professional mindset 
that I did in each of those places, I wouldn't have been able to do that in the States at those ages, right? Um, being in Portugal or being in Brazil or even going through the residency program with U.S. soccer, what it used to be, and now you have academies, so you don't need it anymore. Um, but but those, those phases of my life uh, created this professional mindset of, you know, um, nutrition, of, you know, understanding how to take care of your body, of weightlifting, of going to the gym and doing prehab and stretching beforehand afterwards, seeing a massage therapist, seeing a chiropractor, all of these different things that, you know, once, once I did get the opportunity, like I said, to be in a place to where I could fulfill my dream, um, I used all of those lessons of, of what I had learned in each and every culture to kind of make me the type of player, because I think we're born, we're born with a certain talent, right? There's, there's something that, that God gives us, but the type of person that you are within that environment, I think makes a huge difference in how successful you are. Um, and, and, and obviously that's why, that's why we created the, the, the mental aspect of things, right. And helping these that's kids hard. understand that, man, there's so many kids out there that were so much better than me when I was a kid. There's so many guys, there's so many professional players that were so much better than me as, as a player, but unfortunately they didn't achieve as much, right. Some of those guys will never be able to say they, they won two championships in two different places. Right. Because it's not necessarily, in my opinion, it's not necessarily how great you are uh, as a player. It's 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 how you carry yourself, how good of a teammate you are, how you know how responsible you are, how how well you respond to coaches, and there's 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 that political side of it as well as always, right? So um, you know, I think each and every place that I got to play and live, I learned from those cultures more than anything. Whether it was just the languages, you know, we always use, and so I've taken so long on the on the answer, but. You know, we always use the example within Mike always gives the example of what my role was within Atlanta United. Right. Um, besides getting up and down the field and doing a thousand overlaps per game. Right. Yeah. That, that probably wasn't my best role as, as a player on the field. My best role as a player on the field was being a translator between Tata and all the players. And that was my role. I was I, I speak three different languages and I speak them fluently. And to send a message of what Michael Parker said to say, or what Jeff Lawrence had to say to Miggy Almarone or Joseph Martinez. Well, Joseph speaks six different languages, but, but all of these different guys that didn't speak a lick of English, right. I had to be, I had to be that gel and that bridge that, 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 you know, that kind of really brought everybody yeah. together. And, and, and I mean, I was a big clown. I was a big goofball in the yeah. locker room, man. So I got to do things in, in so many different languages and bring people, bring kind of the camaraderie together. And, and without that, I'm not sure if we would have been as successful, right? And so right. But I know I can look back and I can say that was my main role. And those are things that you, those are things in my opinion, you, you can teach, right? I can't teach a kid how to be as talented. I can't teach speed. I can't teach, you know, all of these other things that these kids already have, but I can teach them how to be within a locker room. I can teach them, you know, these are, these are things that I did that made me successful, even if I wasn't the best player on the field. Um, right, right, for a really right, right. long time. So those are those are things that I look back on for sure in every culture that I learned from. Exactly. So I you you mentioned a little bit about about Tijuana. I wanted to get into it, but you also mentioned Tata Martino, which I have a really really uh, interesting question that I want to ask you. So you you talked about Martino and and you know how he was you know basically a, a big part of, of of your career as a coach. You won a, a, a MLS trophy with him. Um, can you can you kind of you know go a little bit into how your relationship was with Tata and, and basically in terms of, you know, all the coaches that you had on your career, where would you rank Tata on, on the list of those coaches? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's two coaches that always stand out to me. Um, 
fortunate enough, those two coaches, I was able to win a championship with. <clears throat> Tata was the is obviously the one here in Atlanta, and Turku Mohamed, uh, the one in Tijuana. Okay. Um, both of them Argentinian. Both of them, both of them, you know, the people's, you know, people, pe- people, person, man. They they understood they understood what it was like to be in a locker room. They understood what it was like to be um, successful in locker rooms, and, and and they understood every personality that came along within a locker room, right? Um, because they had they had been there, and and and. You know, I look back at them. They didn't only serve as great mentors, but they served as, you know, people that were able to send a message and still have everyone, you know, involved. And, and I guess I can kind of say that more so for Turku Muhammad because I didn't play so much for Turku, and I still felt I still felt so much a part of the team. Right? I had some important important plays within that successful run that we had, but I, I wasn't one of the key players to that team. But he still made me feel so. And that's, that's a quality that not every coach has, right? Um, that's a quality that I think Tata struggled with here in Atlanta because I was a key player here and I knew I was always going to be a key player here in Atlanta. There were, there were 13, 14 of us that were always going to be key players. And unfortunately, the other players, they most likely knew at the beginning of the season, it's kind of like Tuca uh, with Tigres. He picks his players. He picks his 11 players. They're going to play the whole season and that's it. You know, if you don't have nine of those 11, 12 players, you're probably not going to play one game. Um, and there's some funny stories that Tuca has in, in Mexico. But but Tata was very similar. But when I viewed Tata, what I had with, with, with him was just this immense amount of respect. Um, I mean, obviously, Tata means grandpa in, 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 in Spanish, right? So it's, right. you know, you, you, you look back and there was this immense amount of respect that I think all of us had towards everything that he said. Right. It's like when I listen to my dad speak, I'm like, dad, what the hell are you saying, man? Dude, you don't know. shit. <laughs> but 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 if I listen, if I I mean, I, I for unfortunately, I don't have a grandpa. I never had never, my, my both grandpas. I, I never got to really know. But I feel like if you listen to your grand, one of your grandparents, you really sit down and you listen. Right. Um, right. And, and it's just a different different way of the way that they speak. And, and you just really pay attention and you kind of, you know, really take in and everything resonates with you. And and Tata had that ability. Everything that he said, we really paid attention and he kind of made us believe how good we really were. Um, and he made us feel that we were important. You know, I think, um, you know, that that was huge for me as, as, as players. Right. I always use I always use this this this, uh, you know, reference for for the players that I speak to. <clears throat> and a lot of kids that we work with is that, you know, you only take criticism from someone you take advice from. And, you know, for me, a lot of kids and a lot of people always ask us, you know, how, how are you able to take criticism when you played at a professional level? Right. And for me, it's, you know, a lot of people are always going to talk crap and talk BS. Right. Whatever it might be. But I wouldn't take advice from them about anything with what I'm doing in the soccer world. Right. Um, right. So their, criti- their criticism means nothing. But, you know, if Tata were to criticize me in a constructive way and, and want to get something more out of me, I know he's doing so because he knows I can do better because he believes in me. And I would rather have a coach really dig into me than rather say nothing at all. And Tata, Tata had that ability to really, you know, spread a message and kind of make you believe in somewhat of his criticism towards you. But you knowing that as almost like a grandpa, knowing that you can be better. Um, right. And, and, and that's an ability, that's an ability that he had as a coach, right? Not every coach has that. Um, right. And that's something that will always stick out to me. Right. And, and, and talking about that, it's funny. Uh, I call my, my grandpa Tata. I'm from Uruguay. Um, okay. My son calls my dad Tata. So, okay. uh, you know, it's, it's all in there. Talking about Tata, 
do you think, you know, and that's a really cool story that you're telling us, you know, a lot of people know him from, you know, him coaching in Barcelona and, you know, him coaching in Argentina and all that. So they, they don't get to hear those, you know, those cool stories that you tell about, about, about him. Like, or, or, him or, the or they don't get, or they don't get to hear that now because in Mexico, he didn't have a good time. <laughs> that too. But, uh, but getting into my next question, do you think, and like, being, you know, being on a, on a team that he coached, do you think he might be the right guy for, for the U S men's national team? First and foremost, I got to say Uruguay no mas, because that's all you guys say, man. Every Uruguayan, uh, every Uruguayan, Uruguayan no teammate I've ever had. <laughs> Uruguay no mas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy's a legend, bro. Nico, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I think, man, into your, into your, you know, question, I mean, any coach that you're going to have, you can have any coach in a Mexican national team that they're going to be highly criticized every single day. You have seven shows on TV, man, every single day that all they do is just criticize. There is not one word of positivity towards even, even if Mexico wins 10-0, man, they will find something negative to talk about. And that's what keeps, that's what keeps everybody involved, right? That's what keeps everybody in tune of, of what's next, right? They're always seeking yeah. the, next, the next big thing. Um, the media does a lot in Mexico. That's one thing that, man, I do not, I do not miss um the the media in mexico is, is much different right it's it's really funny because we uh i always remember a, a certain moment here within uh, atlanta with uh, all the argentinians and you had you know guys from you know, i mean paraguay chile um trying to think of all the you know south american places venezuela and all the places that we had and i remember the first season in 2017 we lost to uh new york city fc 3-0 at, at uh, in new york and we got back on the plane and we flew in the next day. And when we got to the airport, there was all these Atlanta fans and they were like cheering us on when we got there and like, you'll get him next time. You'll get him next time. Don't worry. You'll get him next time. And all these guys were looking at me. This is the first time they've ever been in the States. They're like, man, we're used to getting bags of piss thrown at us at the, after the game. man. you know, <laughs> these guys, these guys are telling us good job. What do you mean? Good job. We just got our asses handed to us three zero. But um, I think that's why so many guys never want to go back, man. They come to the MLS. They want to play here forever. Man. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, Tata to the U S men's national team. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think, I think in my personal opinion, I think they'll keep it in house. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they, have they made have they made the Which decision? One that, no, they haven't they haven't made the decision. We don't even have a sporting director anyway. So yeah, yeah. We, we gotta we gotta get a general manager first. But would you be okay having a coach from you know from in-house or would you consider having a coach from overseas? Doesn't really have to be data, you know, because I hear there's names like there's big names, you know, that they want to go for Mourinho, uh they're even trying to go even for Jurgen Klopp, you know, if he becomes available. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, whatever, whatever is best for their development, right? Um, and and you know, it's, it's I'm I'm not a very uh, I'm not a very opinionated person, right? It's it's like if some dude signs a really cool contract, man. It's like even if I don't think very highly of that guy as a player, man. Congrats to that guy, man, because he's he's done well. And so same same thing kind of goes towards you know the national team as long as they continue to develop and they continue to do well um that that that's all that matters man and 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 you know um are there going to be players that you kind of can can question for sure i mean even in this world cup right we felt there are a couple of players that got left out but you know at the end of the day it's we we, we got what we got it was a it was a moment of a moment of truth of kind of where we stand with the big dogs and and hopefully we can continue to grow 
um, you know, as a nation and as a soccer country to where uh, we have some pretty exciting times ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we did get to see them play, you know, pretty good in the, in this, uh, this year's uh, world cup. And, you know, we got the next one coming up in 2026. It'll be at home. Um, you know, a lot of people are calling this team, the golden generation. I, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm more biased to the 94 generation. That's just me. I'm a little bit older. Um, <laughs> but, but that's just me. Now I, I do think we have some fantastic players, um, although some of them are now are, are on some teams that are fighting relegation and they're not even getting some minutes. So I do think, you know, that they should find some, you know, maybe hopefully in the summer, transfer window, find some teams where they can get some minutes because I do think at the end of the day, we have a team to compete. Um, I just think we're maybe one or two players away and a really good coach away. But other than that, I think, I think we could make some noise in the next World Cup. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what you guys think, Nico and Greg, but. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to send uh, Tab Ramos a message and tell him that you're brown nosing him right now, bro. So, uh. <laughs> well, I did ask. We did ask Chelo uh, about that Uruguay no mas right there. That Uruguay no mas right there is uh, you're protecting your. We just need some. We just need some dude with the Uruguayan national last name on the on the new team we have right now, bro. And you'll be you'll be fine. I mean, I'll <laughs> get his jersey. That's happy. for sure. <laughs> Uh, oh man well all right another thing we want to get into so you know we, we talked a, a a lot about you know your, your your life as uh as a young soccer player we talked a lot about you playing overseas we talked a little about the mls i want to take a talk a little bit a little bit more about the mls because you know like we said at the top of the you know at the top of the show we're into miami supporters um you know we're now going into our fourth season um we haven't really made that much noise we're kind of you know we kind of made some noise coming into the league. You know, we were going to, you know, bring some big players and all that. We did get Iwain, Um, But, you know, you, you played on a team who was, you know, kind of a, an, a, a, an expansion team and you guys won in your second season. So, you know, how, how can, you know, what, what can you tell our, you know, our followers of, of our program about, you know, what, what it took you guys to win that championship in the second year? And, you know, what, what, what can you, you know, kind of talk about to compare yourselves to, you know, this Inter-Miami team that we have now? Uh, I think there's an easy answer for that. I think it's go big or go home uh, with, uh, within the team that I think we created. But to be honest, we, we, we really didn't have any idea of how, how massive and how talented as a, as a team we were going to be. Um, until that first game of 2017 against uh, the Red Bull. And even though we lost um, that very first game in 2017, I think that was the initial phase of us understanding that we have a hell of a team. Um, and then as far as we got within 2017, I think we, uh, we, we, we really realized that 2018 had to be our year. I think we all sat down at the beginning of that season, even in preseason, and realized, okay, this has to be our year. Um, to win it all so you know in, in, in regards of creating a team my biggest recipe for success within the MLS is to get some really talented South American kids that can change a game within seconds not European South American kids that can change a game within seconds all right and and other than that you get some really hard-working American guys that'll back them up uh, that's, that's, that's my, that's my opinion. Right. And I think all teams that have been champions the past few, past few years, I don't think they have a European that's changing the game, man. It's all South American youngins, uh, 
guys that are changing the game. Yeah. I, and in my personal opinion, I think a lot of Europeans come to this league and I think this league is going to be absolute shit. And they come here and they realize, holy crap, this league is actually pretty good. Um, and, it is. It's and, not as technical as a European game, but it's a lot more physical. Um, and, and that's what they don't understand. Yeah. They come here, you know, 30, 31, 32 years, and they think that they're going to walk all over some of these guys. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, yeah, you can touch a ball, but some of these guys are going to run past you and, and you sure. can't keep up with them. And, sure. and that, that's been my criticism, at least of Inter-Miami, um, you know, over the last few years as, as a local team is, you know, they've, they've been bringing these players over from Europe. And, and I've, I've been, you know, kind of, like I said, on the side of, you know, I think the, the right business plan for an MLS team is to recruit from South America, Central America, and Canada, basically all the Americas, young players as you can, build them up, and then try to sell them to Europe. I think that is for the sure. absolute perfect MLS business model. And, sure. I mean, uh, some teams are following it. Uh, you know, you see Dallas, they've gotten some guys yeah. uh, overseas. Seattle yeah. has gotten some guys overseas. Austin. Um, Austin yeah. is Austin's yeah, doing yeah. great. Do you see? I mean, you, you just you just named those two and from the greatest country in the world, which is Texas, because that's where I'm from. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, I said country, man. So <laughs> but uh things bigger but, over there. That's what I hear. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But um you look at those two teams, you look at Dallas and you look at Austin, right? You have you have the likes of South guys that can come in and change a game within seconds because that's what you need right you need a guy that can just if anything is every anything and everything is going wrong i'm going to give it to that guy and he can do something special and then you need the likes of paul Ariola and sebastian Leggett and all these guys that are industrial hard-working guys that will work their tails off until the end of the game and yeah that's the recipe for success you have industrial guys that will do everything they can to find a way to give it to that one guy who can change a game within seconds and when teams find that recipe man it's 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 hard to stop and if you have your team to believe in that um i mean you look at it at the end of the day nobody knew who the hell joseph martinez was before he was in atlanta united nobody knew who the hell miguel Marone was before he came to atlanta united no one knew i didn't even know right and i knew a lot of players i didn't know who the hell those guys were Right. For yeah. all I knew, Joseph had failed everywhere he had been at Young Boys at Torino and he hadn't been able to make a name and kind of make a dent in European soccer. And I remember the first training I got back from the national team. I was with the national team in January camp and we did crossing and finishing and I sent him a cross in and he did like a bicycle kick on the top of the 18 man and just upper 90. I was like, OK, holy shit, this guy's a great player. So, you know, it's he did that a couple of games. huh? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's just out of nowhere. Right. And you see things like that as a player and you think, OK, we're, we're in good hands. We're in good shape. Um, but those 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 guys those guys came you know they're diamonds in the rough that you just find but but can have that have potential right and right. it's and it's up to a coach it's up to an organization and that would be my you know that would be my answer to you know how maybe joseph is going to do in miami is it's it's all about where he feels comfortable right um you know obviously he's one of my best friends and we we, we keep uh we keep in touch regularly but you know, um, if he feels comfortable and he feels that love, you know, there's different types of players. You have to kind of, you have to know how to work with their egos. You have to know how to work with their, their, their personalities. And um, you have to understand how they are on and off the field. And so if he can kind of find that balance, um, he can do, he can do some damage. I mean, even the games that he played uh, not so much here in Atlanta last year, every game that he did play, he was able to score. So, um, you know, it's kind of getting him putting him in those right spots and, and building it, building team, around you know where they can kind of create chances for him well yeah. he's got two two huge huge pockets of uh 
of towns here in Miami that are real behind him. Doral and Weston, those are our two pockets of where our Venezuelans are located out. And I can tell you that I was at the stadium last night and they were all out there. The Venezuelan flags were all out there going hard for him. And I'll tell you, man, he was hustling. He was going hard out there. I mean, that was one of my comments I made on Twitter. I mean, he was he was trying hard. And and, and that's all you can ask from him. Sorry, no, Nico, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you. Go no, ahead. no, I, I wanted to go back into that, to that Joseph thought, because uh, we know that he had some tough injuries, you know, and, and that's hard to come back from because in your case, you also had a tough injury. Uh, I, I wanted to know a little bit more about that, you know, like how, how hard is it for a, for a professional player to come back from that, not only on the physical aspect, but also on the mental aspect of the game. For, for sure, man. Uh, you know, for me, my biggest injury was probably at the peak of my career. I just, you know, signed one of my biggest contracts with Atlas. Um, I just got, you know, just got uh, on the roster to Gold Cup. Um, and then right after that was Copa America. I was supposed to go to Copa America as well. And my body just started giving up on me. Um, you know, it was it was trying it was starting to it was starting to affect me in my personal life. Um, and 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 I think when that you know when you have kids and you have a family and you're not able to do things, you're not able to uh, you're not able to do certain things with your family, you're not able to do certain things with your kids because of what your body and how your body's reacting. Then that's a huge message. So um, you know, ultimately, I had to make a a pretty hard decision in in regards to kind of you know starting from the bottom right um you know ultimately and and in that time you know i had to kind of learn how to walk again i had to learn how to uh you know walk again in a pool on a treadmill in a pool or kind of just go through the motions of understanding uh, what it was going to take to jog again what it was going to take to even kick a soccer ball again and gaining that movement so um, i think everything happens for a reason i think uh, uh you know I've, I've i've been so fortunate and, and and lucky to have so many people that can kind of you know guided me towards getting out of that um and and being able to play again and you know ultimately atlanta united was my second chance in a career right i didn't even think i was going to ever play again so uh you know atlanta united gave me that that chance and kind of took a took a you know it was a flip of a coin right we're going to take this guy who's you know from all they knew i was just crippled man so uh you know coming back from a major injury and, and ultimately sparked my career again and and, and got me a, a few more years to play the beautiful game so you know, at the end of the day, very grateful for that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of mental aspects that go behind it, right? So it's a game of patience. Um, you know, I feel like you, whatever you put into something, that's what you'll get out of it, right? Um, I use this saying all the time with with my with my mentees. And it was on a Pele documentary not too long ago, uh, right before he passed away when he was in a chair. And he said the first emotion, the first emotion that he felt after achieving of winning three World Cups, I mean, nobody will ever do that ever again. But after winning three World Cups, the first emotion that he felt was relief. Um, and, and it wasn't joy and it wasn't accomplishment and it wasn't uh, all of these other emotions, right? If I were to ask anybody, what do you feel after you get a good grade on a test or what do you feel after you win an important game? Relief is probably like the fifth emotion that they'll say. And, you know, Pele, is, he said in, in, in his words of Pele was, you know, that he always sought to seek you know, he always sought relief to be the first emotion that, that he felt because he knew the preparation, everything that went in behind it, um, because he knew how hard that achievement or how, how high he was aiming for success, because if he wouldn't have felt relief, he would have felt regret. And if you feel regret, then at the end of the day, it's because you didn't put didn't put as much as you could into that uh, of what you wanted to you know achieve. So um, I think that kind of goes towards me going through a lot of injuries is that 
I, I, I did PT two times a day. I did PT three times a day sometimes. And I put absolutely everything I could into trying to want to get better, right? If I would have succeeded or failed, I knew at the end of the day, I could have felt relief because I put everything I could have. Um, and I wouldn't have regretted, regretted anything in, in, in making that decision. So that's kind of the, the tough mindset that a lot of guys go through. But, you know, if you, if you do, you know, you go at it day by day, you can, you can, you can get back to, uh, you know, getting to do what you love. Yeah. And I think that's an important message out there for the youngsters out there. Um, you know, that Greg says, you know, really guys, you, you just have to stick to it and just keep going at it and going at it and going at it and trying because, uh, you know, you just can never give up. And and that's the key. If you continue to work hard and to try, I mean, you can really attain anything. I think that's what Greg and, and Mike's program is really, you know, what you guys are trying to explain to these kids about is, you know, you if you prepare yourself mentally and you prepare yourself, your body the right way physically, um, you know, you, you should have nothing to be ashamed of at the end of the day. You should be proud of yourself at the end of the day. So, I mean, that's that's a fantastic message that you sent to um, well, to our followers and really to, you know, to to your program. So that's that's fantastic, Greg. Um, I think Nico had a couple more questions before we yeah, let you go here. Before, yeah, before we let you go, no worries, uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, looking back at your career, uh, is there anything differently that you would have done? Yeah, I think I think I'm probably answered that with the last thing that I said, man, I, I regret nothing. I regret nothing right. because I knew I knew at the end of the day, you know, uh, I, I gave everything I could to try and, and, and live my dream. Um, and I was very fortunate and, and I was very lucky to do so, but I know, um, all that hard work that I put in behind it created, created that luck. Right. And we need luck in everything that we, you know, do to yeah. kind of be successful. There's luck is a part of it, but I'm a true believer that hard work creates your own luck. So, you know, um, I, I know that, you know, like I said, I was never the best player on any team that I played with, but I was going to be the first player at that training facility every single day. And I was going to be one of the last ones to leave every single day. And that was kind of my motto. And, and those, that's because I learned from so many good mentors and so many good people that kind of, you know, showed me the way and, 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 and taught me the ropes or showed me the ropes. So, um, you know, I would say in anything, man, I, I don't regret absolutely anything. There's nothing I would have done differently. Um, it's like I said, my dream was to become a pro and play professionally. And every team that I played for was 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 beautiful. Right. I got to. I got to say I played against some of my idols and some of the guys that I would have never dreamt of playing against um, in, in my in my whole entire life. So, um, you know, guys, guys that I wore their 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 cleats when I was nine, 10 years old and I got to be on the same field as, as some of those guys. So, um, right. you know, very grateful for those moments. So besides that, besides this mentoring program that you and Mike are working on, would, are we going to see a Greg Garza involved somewhere else in the soccer world, maybe as a coach? Uh, general manager somewhere no, no. Uh, no. so many people ask me that if I ever want to be a coach man and look I I don't know how many planes I've been on I don't know how many hotel rooms I've stayed in I don't know how many buses I've been on I don't know I don't know how many man it's thousands in the thousand those coaches man they do even more right it's like yeah. as as a player man you, you there's so many things that you sacrifice as a player and I think there's so many things that you um, you know, that you really, really go through as a player to, to continue that longevity of success when you're in it. And, you know, just being away from family, being away from the kids and, and, and doing so much, um, you know, you, it's a different type of preparation. But I feel like coaches, man, those coaches were there before me on those days that I was there first every single day, right? They were there before me already watching video and they were 
if I would have gone back and got a coffee at the end of the day, or if I had a meeting with somebody at the end of the day at back at the facility in the evening, those dudes were still there, man. And it was like, Oh my gosh, go home. And there's only so much you can, you know, there's only so much you can do. So um, kudos, kudos to people with that work in sports that are in front offices, man, or that are equipment managers or physical therapists or doctors or whatever it may be, because there's so much more that, 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 that goes in, that goes in just of, of what the players are, right? It's, they, they make it so easy for all of us. So, um, you know, it's kudos to those guys. And then, I mean, even for kids who, who dream of, you know, not only becoming a professional athlete, but just being involved in sports, there are also so many opportunities within sports to, to work within sports. And you can always keep that passion alive doing whatever you want, right? Um, whether you played the game at one point or whether you just love the game of soccer, and there's so many opportunities and that's that's a message that mike and i always try and spread right um whether it's through communications whether it's through marketing whether it's through the corporate side whether it's through whatever man whatever there's so many different uh there's so many different avenues and pathways that you can kind of always be involved in a sport that you love um it's just it's just up to you to kind of take that path and, and grab onto that opportunity so we're so we're, gonna, we're gonna see then a, a greg garza on the sidelines with his three kids, huh? Following their <laughs> career. <laughs> man, hopefully, man, hopefully that way. Uh, it's so funny because I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I help kids and I mentor kids for, for a living, but, you know, and, and, and I love what I do and, and, and I'm so passionate about it. And I love helping kids just understand their talent and understand how they can get the best out of what they already do. Um, but my kids don't listen to me, man. So I'm going to have to have, uh, I'm going to have to have Michael Parker's mentor, man. My, my kids just see like me. I feel like it's, it's every parent. It's every parent. Yeah. I have a kid yeah. that he's six years old, and I try yeah. to like coach him more or less, and he does not listen. Nah, to you me won't. At all. You won't be able to, man. You won't be able to. Once once he gets a little, once he gets much older, double his age, then you can just send us. Uh, you can send him to us, man. We'll help you out because oh, I'm in the same. Definitely. I'm in the same boat, man. I'm in the same boat. My kids will <laughs> see me as dad. They'll never see me as uh, a guy who played for national team or won some cool trophies. They're like that. Wait, what are you talking about, man? Somebody <laughs> else says somebody else says something. Joseph comes over for, for dinner before he leaves. I'll be like, Joseph, yo, tell tell my son, tell my son this. And then Joseph will leave and, and my son will be like, Dad, I gotta do this. I'm like, Yeah, I've been telling you this for six months, man. <laughs> well, you can show him, you can show him this video and you can see that you can tell him, hey, there's one guy, an Uruguay Damas guy, that actually, you know, that actually, you know, watched you and, funny, and followed man. your career. So So there you go. You know, there's some, you know, there's somebody out here, but before we let you go, uh, you know, we got, you know, we got one more question for you. We're back in the MLS. Um, you know, it's going to be, looks like it's going to be an exciting year with all the craziness that went on yesterday. I assume, uh, your favorite team is, uh, Atlanta United to, to, to win it all or, or do you have right another there. prediction to make? Right there, right there. Uh, After this, what this I saw. Actually, this is actually the Jersey that you guys wore. Oh, this wow. This is a 2017, 2017. That's, sick, That's an OG yeah. jersey right there, man. OG. If I, were to, if I were to answer that question after like the 65th minute last night, Adelaide United, I would have said there's <laughs> no freaking way. Um, they were just so lackadaisical and there was no energy and they were just so, you know, out of sync. Um, but then the last 10 minutes of the game, I might say, oh, they might have a chance. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, first of all, I don't have I don't have Apple TV, man, so I don't want to be able to watch any of the games. And Oof, I don't if know you would have subscribed well, to our podcast, we were giving away a code. We we, we could have hooked <laughs> you up, man. The only games I'm gonna watch, the only games I'm gonna watch, are the ones that they invite me to go watch at the Mercedes Benz, man. Because I don't know if I'm gonna watch. I don't know if I'm gonna watch. Uh, well, if yeah, you have T-Mobile, you get you get MLS Pass for free. 
the whole season. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. No way. Thank you yeah, for so mentioning yeah. that to me because I'm team there you overview. Go. See, you get all the perks, man. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. I sign up for MLS Pass right now. All right, sounds good. I heard, I heard the uh, the graphics where, where somebody was showing me on their phone. It looks so clear. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. super clear. We were watching the Inter-Miami yeah. game on the phone while we were at the stadium last night, and it was yeah. awesome. We were watching it in it French looked... because we were watching the Montreal broadcast. Okay. <laughs> so okay. It was, it wow, was okay. interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's, it was that's good. cool, it was man. Good. It, looked, it looked good. I, I would say from what from what I saw, because I was at the stadium quite a long time yesterday and watching some games, I really enjoyed watching Austin. I think Austin FC could be, could be a contender um this year okay. uh, and i think that's just kind of the building off of how well they did last year um i, I would i would say austin or dallas man those are my those are my two go-to's dallas. okay that's a yeah. big surprise yeah 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 austin um, they might they might have it that they might have this year who knows man you never know i mean the seattle will lose the first 10 games of the season and then they'll make the playoffs and they could make a run to win the whole thing that's 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 how MLS works, man. You never know. <laughs> it's a flip yeah. of a coin, man. It's a flip of a coin on who's going to win. That's a beauty of the MLS. That's a beauty of the MLS. That is the beauty of the MLS, man. Yep, yeah. The budget and the cap and all that kind of stuff, man. It makes it it makes it exciting. It's American sports, man. It's American sports. It is. It is. So. Awesome. Awesome. Before right, we let Craig. you go, before yeah. we let you go, can you tell us yeah, yeah. where where can we find more information about your mentoring program and yeah, yeah. If anybody, if anybody, you know, because we have a lot of people from Miami listening to us, and maybe they want to do, do more, more, find out more about the program, and also sure. maybe have their kids participate in it. For sure, yeah. We work, we work with a lot of kids in Florida, actually. Um, whether they're an IMG or other MLS Next or ECNL clubs or whatever clubs there are in Miami, um, you know, whether it's a super elite club or whether it's a club to where you know whatever it may be, whatever type of player you are. Um, we work with tons of kids all over the States. Um, so we, we, we you can find us at beyondgoalsmentoring.com. Um, we were able to speak to as many kids or even create a more individual basis, um, and kind of create that bond and create that relationship. Uh, one really cool thing is that we just launched a 501c3. Um, we just launched a nonprofit a few months ago. So, you know, we, we're looking, we, we, we love what we do on the for-profit side and we love helping so many kids out there, um, you know, get, get somewhere in life and, and, and help them kind of gain that, that, that mental edge and the mental strength and the confidence they need to be successful in whatever they do. Um, but there is definitely a need out there to, uh, to help, you know, kids from lesser income communities or kids that are at risk or whatever it may be and help them understand the value of, of using sport and creating opportunities for them. And so, um we're, we're looking forward to that side of things as well so hopefully we'll uh be able to put a dent in in, in the community even more so than, than what we're already doing and, and that's what it's all about man at the end of the day mike and i had this idea of giving back to the game of what, what it gave so much to us and and helping that next generation man helping helping those kids that have the opportunity to be a homegrown to not just finish off their first their first uh three four years contract and sign multi-year contracts after so uh you know that's what it's all about all right, Greg. Well, thank you very much. And a uh, special shout out to Mike. And, uh, you know, we'll, Nico and I will definitely be sending our kids. You know, Nico's kids are a little older than mine. Mine's only two, but he uh, he touches You're it with there. his right and his left. So there you go, uh, man. There you go. It's yeah, really, so you retire early, man. That's an early retirement right there, man. There it is. That, that's what I'm working for. <laughs> so. Hey, man, as long as he likes a sport and he's a, if he's good enough, he's able to go to college. 
Man, the, in college. That's, honestly, that's man, I, I I don't say anything to my kids because at the end of the day, they'll always figure it out, and they're so resilient, right? Usually, you see former pros, you see all these parents. That that's the biggest fault within soccer, dude. Is sometimes the parents that are too crazy on the sidelines, and 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 yeah. at dude, kids will figure it out, man. If you see me at the fields, dude, I am the furthest one away. I'm not even. I'm, I'm just. I'm just letting them enjoy, man. Let them enjoy the game. It's uh, and I'll that's finish on be, this. Right? I'll finish on this, man. There's so many kids sometimes that come up to me and, and they might say, man, you're, you're, I mean, my oldest is, is very talented, but they'll say, man, he has to play pro. Right. And, and, you know, my son will be sitting right next to me and I'll be like, what do you mean he has to play pro? And they say, well, you played pro. Um, you know, his brother-in-law went through, or my his brother-in-law, his uncle went through uh, the, 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 the whole La Masia program. He plays in Cyprus now. I mean, he, he played in Barcelona for 10 years as a kid. Um, and then his grandpa, my, my, my son's grandpa, all my son's grandpa played 17 years. You know, he played Vasco da Gama. He played in Portugal for 14 years. Um, so it's in, the, it's in their blood. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I asked that kid the same question. I said, man, why do you play soccer? You know, and the answer is simple, man, because he loves it and because he has fun. And that's the only reason I played soccer, man. I was just very fortunate to do so in, at, a, at, a, at a pretty top and a pretty cool level, and I got to have some pretty cool experiences. But – I only played the game because I loved it. You know, I just got lucky in, in, in getting as far as I did. Um, I worked extremely hard to get there, but, you know, I still played the game because it was my biggest passion, and it always will be. Uh, at my house, dude, there's always TV. There's always soccer on TV. Unfortunately, at the moment, it's not MLS because I don't have Apple TV. But, well, well, now you I, will. <laughs> but now will because of T-Mobile, man. So thank you. Shout out to T-Mobile right there, man. Yeah, there you go. All right, Greg. Well, awesome, we, we Greg. really appreciate you for coming on the show. We hope to get you back on on a future show for when sure. we talk about our youth, our youth, uh, youth football because uh, that's one of the programs that got uh, a lot of uh, a lot of buzz. So we'd like to have you back for that one if if you have some time for us. For but, sure, uh, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate the show. it, Greg. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys, so much. man. Take care. Appreciate All it. Right. Take care, man. Have a good night.